Happy New Year, church family. Okay, that was not very good. <laughs> Go on, Happy New Year. Can you believe it? You made it to 2020. Come on, 2020, that's a big, big number. I know maybe I'm just showing signs of my age, but I didn't think we were going to make it this far. I'm old enough to have been around during Y2K. Anybody remember Y2K? And I remember that uh, that year at Costco, they were selling these survival buckets. You all remember that? Anybody buy one? These survival buckets, they had all that, this, this, uh, that metal blanket you're supposed to have and some rations and things just in case the computers didn't know how to switch the numbers and uh, all things were going to go haywire. Well, that was 20 years ago, guys, 20 years ago, and a lot has happened in those years. It's the start of a new decade, a new decade. We are in the 2020s, unbelievable to say. Uh, in, in 10 years, a lot can happen. Amen. A lot. Do you remember? Uh, my family and I spent this New Year's together, and uh, that was one of the things that we did. We started talking about some of the highlights and the things that happened in the last 10 years. Well, so much can happen in 10 years. But did you know that 10 years ago today, something happened that would change the world forever? 10 years ago today, I just found this out. On the 4th of January, 10 years ago, a little young man by the name of James DeLeo was born. That's right. And if you have not met James, he turns 10 today, and he is a force to be reckoned with. 10 years old, this little young man is going to change the world. He's got fire in his spirit. I know him. I see him. I see you back there, James. Let's wish him a happy birthday. Hi, James. Happy birthday, James. 10 years old. Can you believe that? Born at the start of a decade and now looking forward to a new decade. What a decade it has, it has been. My son was born in 2010 as well. He's not turning 10 just yet, but our life has been completely different. So how about you? What has this decade meant to you? What has this decade been about for you? For us, I mean, life is so different now. So between us, 10 years ago, I lived in the desert. Uh, and in these last 10 years, God has called me to paradise. Amen? Amen. That's right. That's right. The promised land, San Diego. I'm super excited. I love it here. It's fantastic. We spent uh, our holidays just close by, just on the other side. And um, no lie, there we were swimming and sunbathing on the last day of the year, which is ridiculous. Like, who does that? But we were uh, enjoying my kids and I. It's fantastic. Ten years. What has this decade been about for you? What, is it, what, what, what changes have happened? What's interesting to notice, though, if you take a look, one of the things that I love about end of the year, uh, and this in particular end of the decade, is that a lot of news outlets and uh, magazines and uh, uh, online platforms talk about the best of, of the decade. Songs news stories, issues, and one of the lists uh, that I happened upon was the, um, the top 10 superheroes of the decade because this last decade was the decade of the superhero. Come on, nod your head if you know what I'm talking about. Some of Marvel's fans out there, this was the decade that gave us the Avengers, right? The Avengers. It's been all about superheroes, the superheroes. But not just the decade of the superhero. They've been everywhere, costumes, movies, uh, like uh, not just heroes that defeat villains, but superheroes that defeat each other. This decade has been about settling who the best superhero is. That's right. This decade brought us Batman versus Superman. Like, why? Right? <laughs> why? 
And even amongst the Avengers, there was the Avenger Civil War. Yes. <laughs> Trying to settle the question or the issue, who would fight, who would win between Captain America and Iron Man? Well, sadly to say to you Captain American fans, according to, well, this is just one of the online platforms, uh, the top 10 superheroes doesn't even include Captain America. Yes, and I know, I know, I know you're thinking, what, some of you guys, uh, but uh, I just wanted to share with you uh, the top five, because 10 is too much, top five, uh, top 10 heroes of the decade, number five, Wolverine. <laughs> I hear some laughter, some of you are like, what, Claus, what's a cat doing, okay, okay, whatever, sure, sure, whatever, uh, according to this list, according to this list, number four is Superman. Superman. Y'all are not impressed. Okay. Number three, Iron Man. Iron Man. Good old Tony Starks. Yes. And I recognize some of you guys are like, what is happening to my church today? Just hang, bear with me. Bear with me. We're getting there. We're getting there. Number two, anybody? Your favorite friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Yes, there we go. We got, yeah. Especially since... A certain Tommy Holland started playing the character. Now everybody likes him. And your number one superhero of the decade. Anybody? My, my, my son has a shirt. He says, always be yourself. And if you can't be yourself, always be Batman. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> always be Batman. Now, he not only made the list in this one, but in almost all the other top tens that I saw, Batman, which is a fascinating thing because you guys know that Batman really has no superhero powers. He's just an ordinary guy with a gruffly voice. I'm Batman. He's always telling us who he is. But generally, when we speak to kids and we say, what superhero it used to be, what superhero um, power would you like to have, the number one answer used to be, I want to fly. But it has changed. Does anybody know what the new answers are when you ask kids what power? Money? <laughs> That's adult. Yes, I agree with you. <laughs> but kids now want the power to change time, manipulate time. Hello, Dr. Strange. Yes. And people want uh, telekinesis. That's right. Time travel. And the number one is mind control. Mind control. <laughs> Isn't it fascinating? This decade, <laughs> kids don't want to fly anymore. They want to mind control us. <laughs> and it just so happens that our actual superheroes are doing exactly that. Today's most important and powerful and influential people are Zuckerberg, Bezos, right? And uh, others who have control to your information. Ever notice, ever notice how when you are scrolling through uh, the internet, things come up as advertisements for things that you had wondered out loud about but never really talked to anyone about, and suddenly there it is. You wanted a blanket and, or whatever it is. Information is the new super currency and what draws power. That's why Jeff Bezos pretty much owns us. <laughs> he owns the information. But people want power, they want superpower, they want the ability to control each other. Because that's what the world thinks is most important. Power to control. 
power to dominate, power to set the course. And we are being raised and we are living in a time and a culture. We're beginning a new decade where there will be a great struggle for power, not just political, but economic, social power. And in that culture, in, in that atmosphere, we step into a new decade. But today I want to offer you a new superhero. Well, he's not new. You've known him. But perhaps with a superpower that you hadn't thought of. And we encounter our superhero, the one whose name no one can utter without praise, the name of Jesus in the book of John. Would you please turn with me as we begin a new year and a new decade, and we focus our eyes on our hero, our superhero, this Jesus. John chapter 13, we read in verse 1, John chapter 13. I want to welcome you to a brand new year and a new decade here at Bonita. We are excited for what God has in store for us. But we recognize that the last 10 years were full of promise and of challenge. And that God was with us in all circumstances because in all things, God is good. God is good. And we step into a new year and a new decade proclaiming the same truth, that God is good. As we await for him to reveal more of himself. And today he wants to reveal to us what I believe is the superpower that he is giving to us for this new decade. Chapter 13, book of John. If you're there with me, say amen. amen. All right, let's do it together. Verse 1, the Bible says, It was just before the Passover meal, the Passover festival, which in the Jewish calendar was their biggest day of the year. Bigger than New Year's, bigger than what is Christmas for us. It's the biggest, the most important holiday. And they were about to celebrate it. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go back to the Father. But having his, loved his own who were in the world, now he loved them to the fullest. The Word of God tells us here, as you probably already know the story, but if you don't, I'm going to fill you in, that Jesus had been serving in public ministry, publicly proclaiming that he was, in fact, a messenger, a spokesperson for his Father, God, and sharing what God intended for us. He would use phrases like, you've heard these things, but I say to you. He would say things like, the will of my Father is, and I have come to show him to you. And by the time we find him in this story, the, it, Jesus is at his peak. Peak Jesus. He is at the height of his popularity and his infamy. In fact, if you read the chapter right before this, chapter 12, it's a fascinating chapter that details uh, very vividly what kind of popularity Jesus was writing and what kind of anger and animosity he was facing. And so we find Jesus here back in Jerusalem, a place where the political establishment did not like him, had wanted to take him out previously, but he was also surrounded by love of the people. They had waved palms and laid down their coats as he's made his way in. And so as they're preparing to celebrate the Passover meal, the disciples and those that are traveling with him, they think they are on the cusp, on the precipice of a brand new world, of a brand new era, not unlike us, staring out at a brand new decade. And they were thinking that this moment, this very public festival with everyone coming into town was the perfect opportunity to finally crown him as their new king. See, in Jesus' name, there are two expressions. He saves. He saves us. 
If you were here with us, well, the youth department did a fantastic play on our stage here a couple weeks ago. The word there in the scriptures tells us that the angel says to Joseph, you're going to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. In his name is the expression, he saves. And so when they would utter his name and talk about him, they were filled with anticipation that things were about to change. His friends were part of this dominated people group that had been serving and paying and suffering under the oppression of the Roman rule. And they thought that Jesus had come to finally deliver them from that circumstance. So they were excited. The Bible tells us, as you'll see, that they were anticipating, looking forward to, and in expectation, the things were going to be very different. And that Jesus had come to finally, finally do something that no one could do before. The Bible says that Jesus, on the other hand, was looking with different eyes and understanding what was about to take place. The Bible says that he decided to love his people, his friends, those closest to him, to the fullest. Verse 2, follow along with me. The evening meal was in progress. They had sat down. They were reclining, uh, getting ready to, to participate in this symbolic meal called the Passover feast. But the devil had already prompted Judas, one of his closest associates, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning. So having known that he had all the power, rather than take out the traitor in the midst, instead, the Bible says that he got up from his meal, took out his jacket, and put on his superhero cape. It was an apron. He took off his coat, wrapped an apron, a towel around his waist. And then, in this, in this moment of great expectation, when others were looking for power, looking for glory, looking for chains, Jesus revealed his greatest superhero power. With an apron and a basin of water, he knelt down and he began to wash his disciples' feet drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. The Bible says that he came to Simon Peter, one of the most outspoken of them, and, the, and Simon said to him, Lord, what, are you really going to wash my feet? And Jesus said, you don't understand what I'm doing, but someday you're going to figure this out. Peter said, no, I'll never let you stoop this low. You cannot do this. This is beneath you. People of importance don't wash other people's feet. People of importance don't act like servants. They don't grovel. They don't kneel. They don't act in humility. But Jesus says, unless I serve you, then you and I have no part together. Then Simon said, in that case, don't just wash my feet. Let's, let's go all the way. Wash my heads and my hands, everything. And Jesus said, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet their body's already clean, and you are clean, although maybe not every one of you. And when he had finished washing their feet, verse 12, he put on his jacket again, returned to his place at the table, and he says, do you understand what I have done? Do you see? Can you, can you capture this, this gift that I'm giving you, this power that I'm revealing and sharing with you? And he said, you call me teacher, Lord, and rightfully so, because that is what I am. But now that I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, 
you should also wash one another's feet. And I have set for you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, neither is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. But now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. See, I'm convinced that as we begin a new decade, while the rest of the world is looking for power, control over information, economics, geopolitical control and power, God is giving us a different heroic power that trumps them all. It's called humility. And humility is so scarce right now. It is so scarce. It does not exist outside the confines of those who follow this man. For the world beyond us is consumed with fame and finances, social capital, followers on Instagram, likes, influence, ability to control, dominate, push, maneuver. But Jesus instead offers service. A humbling hand to wash the dirtiest part of us. Like Peter, some of us think that's not a superpower. That seems like, at worst, some symbolic act that means nothing. At best, a feeble attempt to pretend that you love or care for someone. But what Jesus is actually doing here in this symbolic act is setting the scene for us to do what no one else will willingly do, to put ourselves at the end of the line. Because that's exactly what Jesus came to model. Sometime later, as one of those who were changed by this great act of servanthood, is, is now coming into an understanding uh, of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Sometime later, the Apostle Paul writes a letter to the church at Philippi, and he's reflecting on what Jesus just did in our reading. And he shares these words with you, so I want you to flip over to Philippians chapter 2, if you would please, Philippians chapter 2. Because just like us, the church at Philippi is reflecting, Jesus has come, he has died, he has risen, he's gone to heaven, and we have been left with the example, and we're trying to make sense of that for this world, for our time, for our age. And, and, and Paul is doing the same, and he writes this letter of reflection to the church at Philippi, and he urges them with these words, and I believe these words are meant for us at the beginning of this decade. And this is what he says, therefore, verse 1, chapter 2, Philippians, therefore, if you have any encouragement for being united with Christ, he says, the reason we love Jesus is because every story that we read and every time we concentrate on his person, we find someone full of compassion, of kindness, of love. There's nobody like Jesus in all of earth's recorded human history. There's no character like him. Do you know that thousands of years after he was here, he is still the number one most admired person in human history? Do you know that people from all ages and all walks of life and all cultures and all languages still are fascinated by Jesus? They don't care much for our church, but they love Jesus. Do you know that in our world today, here in Southern California, in North America, uh, 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 surveys tell us that very few people actually believe in denominational churches. 
in organizations such as ours. Very few people, especially in the younger ages, care or are concerned with supporting churches and denominational work. But the numbers are staggering in the 90% of those who want to know more about Jesus. Jesus is always a compelled, compelling character. Why? Isn't nobody like him? Nobody that loves us when we don't deserve to be loved. Nobody like him who says, neither do I condemn you. So come unto me. If you are tired and weary and sick and hurting, come unto me. I will give you rest. Let's trade places. I will carry your load. You take my rest. There's nobody like him. Paul is reflecting on this, and he knows that this meeting Jesus, this encountering Jesus, perhaps like you have at some point in your life, has been life-changing. And he says to them, when you have been impacted by the encouragement that knowing Jesus brings, if you have received any comfort from his love, he says, then, then, respond this way. Verse 2, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in mind and spirit. I know these are confusing phrases, but he says this more plainly. Don't do things out of ambition or pride, but instead in humility, value others above yourself. See, he's capturing here in direct words, Jesus' superpower. And you know what's fascinating about Jesus' superpower? He deeded it to us. He left it to us. He entrusted it to us. He said it plainly, I'm going to my Father, but you have the keys to the kingdom. I leave them to you. You will be my witnesses. Wherever you go, you will speak and you will share, and they will know you are my disciples if you, come on people, if you love one another. This is how you will know. So Paul, reflecting on this, he says, but friends, the challenge among us, even amongst us, that we're motivated by pride and ambition rather than humility and love. Don't look to your own interest, but to the interest of others. Verse 5, in your relationship with each other, have the same mindset as Jesus. Think and act and be like Jesus. Look, look at what he says. Who being in the very nature of God, didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. But instead, he gave all that up he made himself into nothing, became like a servant, became a God trapped in a human's body. And being found in appearance like a man, even then he humbled himself further, all the way obedient to the cross, even to the death on the cross, which for them was the most humiliating way for someone to be punished. So what does this have to do with us? Well, here's what I have to propose to you as we begin a new decade. Sure, we could live this new decade like everyone else is trying to live it. Run the rat race of working hard so we can have more, so we can purchase more, so we can influence more. Trying to gain more accolades and attributes and more affirmation for who we've become and what we have achieved. We can do that. We can continue to pursue the same things the last decade had brought us. Economic boom, but unhappiness in unfulfilled homes and broken marriages. We can do that. Or we could, like Jesus, put our superhero capes on 
in the form of aprons. And in a symbolic way, understand that every act we have, every interaction between husband and wife, father and, and daughter, between friend and neighbor, is an opportunity to exercise this super heroic gift. To love someone before yourself. To think of their needs before our own. Not just at Christmas time, friends. Not just during the holiday seasons and that bell ringing invitation, but the entire decade. That we might commit ourselves to be of the same mindset as Jesus. And not looking at the things that we've been blessed with as things to use for our advantage, but rather for the benefit of other people. What might that mean for you? I'm not quite sure, but I have a sense that you already know. I am convinced that all of us understand that God's blessings have been generous with, with us. Yes, there are problems, right? But, but in spite of those, you're here. You made it to 2020. God has given you a family, a church family. God has given you resources, abilities. But now he invites us to follow him in this journey of sacrifice. You know what the fascinating thing about that, that time in the upper room? Is that the disciples around the table were expecting that in just a few days, they were going to be riding high as leaders of the people. That they were going to be showered with accolades for having been early adopters of the new leader. They were going to say, I was here first. I followed him first. I should have these charges. I should be entrusted with this much authority. But they didn't understand that this was not going to be a coronation of the kind they thought or were expecting. No, Jesus was inviting them, come and follow me, come and die with me. See, Jesus gives his life so that others would benefit, and he leaves for us the same example. So my challenge to myself and to you as we begin a new decade, when we look back on this decade, by God's grace, if we live another but we look back and say in these last 10 years, this is what I've made of myself? Or will we look back and say, by God's grace, this is how I blessed others? See, I think that God's greatest heroic gift here is that he loves to see other people rise. He loves to lift others, even above himself. Jesus encouraged us, us to do the same, that we might find great joy and strength in raising others above ourselves, putting their needs before us. And so he does this physically by literally washing their feet, showing them how to humbly serve where things are needed. You know that we as an Adventist church are one of the only few faith traditions that practice this ordinance, which we call the ordinance of humility. For years and years and years ago, many others did, but over the course of time, it became just another forgot, uh, forgotten act. And while many churches celebrate the Lord's communion, very, very few follow the example of this ordinance. Now, I know it's just a symbol. There's nothing magic in the water or the act, but I promise you there is power in symbols. It's why Jesus left them for us. He knows that we are people of time and space and that symbols mean things. And when we embrace these symbols, we are making choices of intent that we will, we choose, we affirm, we claim. That is what we do here today. 
in just a few moments, you will be invited to participate in this ordinance. Perhaps you're new to our community or to this tradition, so I want to make sure that you know that you are welcome and invited to participate. In just a few moments, the doors will open and you will be invited to join anyone who's willing in our social hall. Basins of water and towels have been prepared, and what we normally do is encourage you to find someone to partner to wash one another's feet. It is a symbolic act of a spiritual principle, but I am convinced that it has much power, real power, to transform our hearts. I encourage you to find a family member, a friend, or someone in the community, in particularly someone with whom you've had conflict with. Invite them, and then when you go to the room, you will find the basin and the towel, fill it with water, and then pray. Pray with each other that God might remove any blocks, that God might create forgiveness and reconnect you to each other. This is why I find this very powerful among spouses. Because Lord knows, for some of us, the end of the decade has been tough. So this is an opportunity to reconnect through this simple but powerful ordinance. Once you, one person has washed one feet, you will take that basin, dump out the water, dispose of the towel, and get a new one. New basin, new water, new towel, then return, and then the other person washes your feet. When you are completed, we encourage you to pray and ask that God would bless the choices and decisions that you have made in that moment. When you are done, when we're all completed, we will return into the sanctuary, and then we will together pray for and then participate in the emblems of the bread and the juice. As we begin this new decade, I believe that Jesus has much in store for our church. I believe that God wants to do something for the community, for the city of San Diego, for our young people, for next generations. But it's going to take our sacrifice. It's going to take our humble willingness to put our interests to the side for the benefit of others. And this is what we will claim and proclaim publicly today through the foot washing and the Lord's ordinances. So my invitation to you is as we begin Maybe this is a moment for you to seek forgiveness from somebody in the community. Maybe this is a moment to recommit yourselves to a relationship. For the, 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 the apostle writes, in your relationship with one another, and the way you treat one another, the way you love one another, be of the same mindset. And Jesus said, as I have done for you, so now you too do for one another. There's a room here prepared for the ladies. If there are some ladies who wish uh, to use a room that's just for the ladies, but the back room will be reserved for families, men, everyone. We encourage parents to teach their children. This is a great opportunity for you to show them what it means to pray with them and for them and have them pray for you. That this is an act that is for all generations. So we encourage you to participate as we proclaim that Jesus loved us and now he invites us to love each other with the power, the superpower of humility. Let's go forward and wash one another's feet.